wow, 1992 until 2009 uh, was a good period of time. In fact, I celebrated my 39th spiritual birthday this week. I was saved 39 years ago, September the 1st, 1978. And so from the day that I was saved in 78 till the day that I started the church was just 14 years. That's kind of a weird thought. Then, uh, you know, how God works in the life of a young teenager and 14 years later, he's pastoring a church. And it, all that happened in, in Hot Springs, Arkansas. You know, it's, it's, it's an amazing story and journey for me. But in 2009, uh, we got a few pictures. We got a picture of a family that joined our church in that year. But here's a few thoughts and things. This was the bulletin from that year. And, uh, and then the next picture, we have the, the ladies' conference that we held. And I mentioned in the first service that uh, we, had, we had a lady named Beverly Hiles that spoke here every year who this week, a couple of days ago, died and went to be with Jesus. And so we, and we loved her. She was our keynote speaker every year. And she was a tremendous lady. And so we, we honor uh, her memory as well. And then uh, you can't really talk about Gospel Light with remembering all those CDs we used to do, you know. We probably did 12, 13 CDs. And people wonder, why don't you do those anymore? Because nobody cares about CDs anymore. That's, uh, anyway, but we, all, we, we, we have great music here. But there was a time when our church was transitioning and we were probably the only church that uh, was, was uh, in our little world that was doing things like this. And so we, uh, we've really continued to, to grow in that area just not making CDs. I wrote this book in 2009, so a little memory of, uh, of, of writing books through the years. And then this was the class of 2009 at Champion uh, Christian College. And then there is a family that joined our church in 2009, Chet and Julie. And Julie, I think, are you here, Julie? There you are. Is Chet here? Oh, you're prettier than he is anyway, so that's good. Um, but that's great. And then here is our family in 2009. And so you can, you, can, you can see how they have grown as we continue to see uh, the, the memories of Gospel Light through the years. One of the other things we've been doing is each month, and we tried to do this last week because we, we, we honored a family in July, but we did not honor a family in August. So we missed it last week, but it was our fault. We, we, didn't, uh, we didn't contact, well, we didn't make sure they would be in the service. And so today we've made sure they'll, they'll be in this service. And you know, it's interesting, as we think about families that have impacted our church, there are dozens and dozens, some that even aren't attending here anymore, that may have moved or gone to other places. I mean, there's a lot of people that have impacted our church. But there is one family who I can say, without any shadow of a doubt, has personally, for me as the pastor, I mean, the church as well, but me personally, friendship-wise, ministry-wise, serving-wise, you know, the Bible says that a friend is one that sticks closer than a brother. Jerry Falwell said, if you can have five forever friends in a lifetime, you are a blessed man. To live your whole life and be able to say you've got this many friends that you would say that when everybody else walked out, they walked in. When you have friends like that, you're a blessed man. Well, I feel that way about this couple for thousands of reasons. Um, and I, I just, I, I feel as if I owe them a debt, but I also feel like our church would understand why we would want to say thank you to Dave and Sonia Chittam for an amazing 25 years. Dave, Sonia, come on up together. Yes. Awesome. Yes. I believe I can stand and thank them. Come on up, Dave, Sonia. And thank you so much. 
for being a forever friend. I know you love me. I've not always been lovable, but you've loved me. It's the truth. But here's the thing. You know, we, and we don't make these, uh, we, we did make a big deal of cliffs, and I'm glad we did. But we, we're not making these uh, any more than, than I think the people being honored would want them to be. Just uh, we're giving a beautiful placard, and, and then we're also taking them out to eat somewhere nice, and we'll do that. But more than anything, I, wanted, I, I, want, to, I want to be faithful to give honor to whom honor is due. And, and just for, even if it's just for a couple of minutes, say thank you to, uh, to this dear couple who continues to invest. And uh, I know Dave always says that, that he, many people don't know who he is. They just know he's Sonia's husband. And, uh, and, and that's, that's fitting because, it, you know, I've had a lot of associate pastors through the years, but only one has stayed with me for 25, and that's this one. Uh, yes, she's amazing. So thanks for being there for me. And uh, I love you so much. Would you give him one more big hand? And thank you. Love you. And we'll do dinner soon. Yeah. Love you, son. Thanks. Great. Awesome. So we'll move on to 2010 and, uh, and keep this thing rolling. Well, our subject before us is prayer. Um, wow. How do I jump into this? I think the best way to do it is just to say, turn in your Bibles to James chapter 5. And we're going to start on this subject, why we don't pray. Why we don't pray. I know it sounds like a negative title, but it's, I hate to use the word negative as much as I would like to use this word. It is a very sobering title. This is not going to be a fun message. Now, I'm really looking forward to preaching it. So in that way, I'm pumped. But it's not fun in a sense that this is one of those messages that I believe the light is going to go on in all of us. As I began to study this, I came to find out that there is something wrong with my prayer life. And I'd never seen it until this first message of this series. And I think that you might agree with me. And so I want you to read with me a passage. I'm going to read it out loud. It's a great paragraph of scripture. In some ways, it is one of the most powerful prayer passages in all of scripture. I'm going to read this, just jump right in. But then I'm going to go back and read something in James chapter 4. So let's read James 5. This is how he ended his book. Here's how he ended it. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. In fact, if you want to circle all the times the word prayer or prayer is mentioned, you'll be astonished. Is anybody merry? Well, let him sing psalms. That's another really another way to express prayer to, to God, to sing to him. Is any sick among you? Anybody sick? Well, if he is, let him, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. And in fact, even, even go as far as to anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord would even raise him up. And heal him. And if he's committed sins, there will be forgiven. Confess your faults one to another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. But he prayed 
He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So we have here, church, an incredible passage of Scripture. By the way, does anybody need a prayer guide, a prayer bulletin to take notes, a worship guide? Anybody? Keep your hands up. Great. We got a few. Sorry, guys. Thank you. And great. In the balcony as well. This is an amazing passage. You may have noticed how this passage indicated that God is a God of miracles. God is a God of answered prayer. God heals. God even answered a prayer that Elijah had, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. I mean, this is awesome. Wow. God does hear prayers, and God does answer prayers, but time out. Because the title of our message today is, Why Don't We Pray? So we got to go back to James chapter 4 and verse 1 and see they had some problems. That it wasn't always peaches and cream and everything wasn't always uh, a clear path to miracles and to prayer. Verse 1 says of chapter 4, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Now, now, now wait just a moment. Listen, Listen to me, church. He is saying here, Why are you not getting along? Have you ever wondered why God's people don't get along? This is relational strife. This is not speaking of, you know, a war with North Korea. This is speaking of a war in the church amongst people, amongst families, husbands and wives, parents and children, fighting, warring, strife, not getting along. Why does that exist in the church? And then it says this. Do you think it might be because you're at war in yourself, your own lust in yourself? You're at war with this idea of it's got to be about me, and if it's not about me, it's, it's not good. Lead me to the end of myself. That's what it's really, that's the original Sin was about self. All of our arguing and fighting and warring amongst ourselves is about I want to be right because this is what makes me feel good. And so he says here, do you think you might be fighting and warring because of your self-gratification? Verse 2, you lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight, you war. You have not because you ask not. You don't pray. You don't even ask. But even if you did ask, you probably have figured out maybe it wouldn't matter. Or maybe you've tried to ask and God didn't answer, so you've given up. You ask, verse 3, this is the key verse. So man, get it, look at it, underline it. Ye ask and receive not. Here's why. Because ye ask. Now, my, my, my version has this word amiss, but I'm going to give you a better word here for today in our English language. It's the same word as wrongly. You are praying wrong prayers. You're asking. You're not receiving because you ask amiss. You're praying wrong. Wow. Now that's just scripture. That's what the Bible says in James 4. You ask, you receive not because you ask wrongly. Now, 
The fact is, most Christians don't pray. It's just the truth. We sing about God like we did this morning. In fact, think about it. We took 20 minutes this morning to sing. I'm in the middle of a prayer series, and we sang more than we prayed already. My house shall be called a house of singing. Doesn't say that. We've made it that, but it doesn't say that. My house should become a house of preaching. Bless God, preacher, I tell you what, you better preach or I ain't coming. Thank you. But God says you should have said, if you're not praying, I'm not coming. My house should be called a house of prayer. So why don't we pray? Why don't I pray? Why did we sing more than we prayed? We sing songs about God. Hey, we even talk about God. We talk about him all the time. I mean, we do. We talk. You know, we just talk about God. We we, we, we say things about God. We, um, you know, that's, it's a conversation we kind of enjoy having because we're Christians. So God's kind of a, one of the, you know, it's kind of like God. We talk about sports. We talk about money. We talk about, we just talk. We talk about God. Sometimes we talk about God to other people. But none of that is prayer. Singing about God, talking about God, talking about God to other people is still not prayer. Actually talking to God in a biblical way, faithfully, hardly not at all. Hardly not at all. I know somebody here could maybe say, speak for yourself, but I believe I'm speaking for all of us. I really do. God doesn't want some prayers. He doesn't want some ritual prayers. Even though the message is really not about ritual prayers, it is amazing if we examined how we pray, we often pray like that. I remember growing up, there was this evangelist that would come through and his prayers always bothered me because they would be like this. Father God, Father, I pray, oh God, Father Lord, I pray Jesus in your name. Father God, I pray that you would at least help us, Father God. And I'd be like, good night. Can you imagine? Ezekiel, Ezekiel, listen, Ezekiel, I'll tell you, pray. Ezekiel, I believe you. Ezekiel, listen, if you listen to me, Ezekiel, you know what Ezekiel would think? My dad is crazy. He just said my name in a five-minute conversation 500 times. So that's how that preacher would pray. And I would sit there and think, he's not talking to God in relationship. He's talking to God in ritual. And many times we find ourselves praying these ritual prayers because truly it's, it's more about, we're more nervous about having to actually say a prayer where somebody might hear it than we are praying to God who needs to hear it. Then there's religious prayers. These are the prayers with the big words. They make us sound really good, you know. I mean, after all, I do have a college degree and I did get a master's and so I need to say words in my prayers that you don't understand. That means I'm like really close to God. No, it doesn't because God doesn't want ritual prayers. God doesn't want religious prayers. God wants relationship prayers. Sometimes our infrequent prayers and uncomfortable prayers are, as, are an indication that we need a breakthrough. We don't pray enough. And when we do pray, we're not comfortable. And we need a breakthrough. Let me make this statement. I believe it might be the first in your notes. We don't pray like we should because when we do pray, God doesn't seem to answer. Could that be a fact? 
Could the reality be that we don't really pray like we should because when we do pray, God doesn't seem to answer. So let's, let's go after that statement this morning. In this first message, would not it be appropriate if we're going to pray more, if we're going to talk about prayer, doesn't it seem to make sense that we need to address this subject? Why don't we pray? Before we start trying to pray, again, like we did the last time we preached on prayer, but it didn't last because God's not answering anyway. And I believe the reason why we don't get answers is that we, we pray wrong prayers. You, have, you pray, you ask, and you have not because you ask wrongly. Now, before we get started, maybe it'd be nice for us to remember some things that God said, because God said some really cool things about prayer. Now, you're not going to believe this, but actually these are things that I did not get out of like a prayer book or a prayer journal. These are not quotes from Billy Graham, Oswald Chambers, you know, uh, who else? Uh, you know, some great, uh, D.L. Moody. You know, these are not quotes from those guys. These are actual quotes. These are things that Jesus said. Like the perfect sinless son of God said this. Matthew twenty-one, twenty-two, In all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Wow. Why don't we pray? John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you want. It'll be done. Why don't we pray? Luke eleven nine, And I tell you, ask and it'll be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Why don't we pray? John 16, 23. In that day, you'll ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask in the, of the Father in my name, in Jesus' name, I'll give it to you. John 14, 13, one more. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Prayer is not only the process of getting something from God. Prayer is primarily the promise of getting to the place where I'm asking for the will of God. Which is why we pray, whatever you ask, go to that verse before that. Look, whatever you ask of the Father, in my name. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. The most important part of your prayer is the one that you don't think about. Oftentimes we just say, in Jesus' name, amen. I mean, sometimes you can't even hear Jesus, like in Sus' name, in Sus. In Jesus' It's like we pray and then we get to the end. It's like, what, what? In whose name? In Jesus' name. Because it's all about Jesus' name. Because do you know why we pray in Jesus' name? When we say that, whether we realize it or not, whether I realized it or not, we are praying, not my will, but thine be done. In Jesus' name. Lord, not what I want, what you want. Otherwise, I'd be praying in Eric's name, Amen. That would be a more appropriate prayer for most of our prayers because that's truly what we want. We want our will to be done. So for some reason, we pray in Jesus' name, not realizing what we are praying. Prayer is the process of me becoming spiritually fit to receive what God is already willing to do. Think about all those prayer promises. God is willing to do all these things. I will do it. 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 God said, I will do it. Ask. I will do it. 
Prayer is not about the fact that God wants to do things. Prayer is getting ourselves to a place where God can do these things. It's about being spiritually fit. Prayer is not me getting on my agenda. Prayer is me getting on God's agenda. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've done a little research. And I didn't do a vast amount of research because like a, I didn't take like a poll in the church or pass around some sort of a questionnaire. But I just asked a few people. Maybe a handful, maybe six. I said, have you ever prayed for 40 days consecutively about one thing fervently? And be honest. Those six, including me, seven, said no. I couldn't answer it yes. I, I, I don't, I couldn't answer honestly yes. I, I'd never, first of all, I'd, ne- I'd never really paid attention. Second of all, I, I know that there's been times in my life where I've been inconsistent. I've had good years of prayer, maybe good years of Bible reading, but I don't know that I've been, ever been super consistent. I don't know that I've ever been so disciplined that I wouldn't miss one in 40 days. That's a long time. And so I came up with something to introduce the sermon today that I want to give you and explain at the end. If you have the cards, stand where you're at and just start passing them out while I'm talking and, 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 and give, those, give those cards. Maybe, Joe, you can do the first three rows there. As you get these cards, I'll explain them later. But these are, are simply cards that say, I am praying for, and beginning tomorrow, there are 40 days Please don't do anything to these cards yet because this is my invitation. This is the final part of the message. I will cover this. So receive the card, put it in your Bible. Don't fill it out. Just keep it for a moment. Thank you very much. All right, you ready? Let's get started. We haven't seen answers to prayer because we've asked wrongly. Six categories of praying wrongly. Are you ready? Six categories. Ways we pray wrong. Six ways Erica Pacey has prayed wrongly. Number one, unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. Remember, God does not hear my prayer if I pray wrongly. You pray and you ask amiss. God doesn't hear that prayer. So let's see what God says about unconfessed sin. It's simple. It's in Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. It says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not, he won't even hear me. We're not talking about he hears it and says, no, he doesn't even hear it. It doesn't get to the throne of God. It's just like a waste of of time. I mean, we shouldn't even do it. Why ask God for something with sin in our lives, with unconfessed sin, with sin that has not been dealt with? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You say, well, that's in the Old Testament. I knew you'd say that. John. John 9, 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will... In other words, if any man be a Christian and does his will. It's not just that you're a Christian that God hears your prayers. It's you're a Christian and you do his will. You're a believer and and, and you do not have unconfessed 
sin in your life. Let's get this first. Let's come out of the gates with this. Anybody ever uh, called AAA? Roadside assistance? Let me give you some roadside assistance. Okay? Actions, number one, actions affect access. It's true. The AAA of getting your prayers heard. Heard. Actions affect access. In my marriage, when I want to come home and get a really good kiss from my wife, when I want to get close to her and hug her and be the recipient of her love as well, my wife's affection rises and falls based on my behavior. You didn't like that, did you guys? Like it or lump it, it's true. I don't need to come in and, and expect affection from my wife when my behavior, when my actions don't deserve it. Actions affect access. Our actions as believers affect our access to God in prayer. You cannot be cold, indifferent, or calloused towards sin in your life and expect God to hear your prayers. It's just Bible. So category number one is unconfessed sin. We find in Isaiah 59 an interesting two verses where Isaiah said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. Come on. God like doesn't have like short arms to where he can't reach down and help you. It's like, I, I wish I could, but I can't get down there. Sorry, my hand. Is, no, it's not that the Lord's hand is short. That it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot. It's not like God is deaf. Poor God. I haven't got a prayers answered. God must have a hearing problem. It's not that. It's not his hand. It's not his ear. It's your iniquities. It's your sin. It's separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not, not cannot, will not hear. This is so important, isn't it? This is not negative. If for one minute you're thinking, man, this is, no, no, this is helping you and I. We are getting, getting set free as I, as I speak this morning. We are understanding now why we don't pray. Why our prayers are not heard. So they're obviously not answered because of unconfessed sin. Prayer works, but not when I pray wrongly. So what should I do about my unconfessed sin? What should I do? Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be, do surgery, God, do surgery every day on my life. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Every sin, God. The moment I sin, God, be so close to me that I would feel so uncomfortable that when I say that word that is unkind to my wife, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Man, I love you, sweetheart. I didn't mean to say that. God, help me when I, when I use your name in vain to, to recognize quickly that that, that was a, a, an inappropriate thing to say. And may I seek forgiveness. God, help me when that thought comes into my mind that should not come into my mind. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our soul to another. God, tear down those things in my life. Give, help me to be so sensitive that I would live a life of 
confession. A life of confession. Unconfessed sin. Number two, idolatry. Idolatry. Now, what does Scripture have to say about the sin of idolatry? It's interesting. Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 3 says, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts. So stop for just a moment and examine that statement with me. These are people who have set up idols in their hearts. We're not talking about statues and we're not talking about, you know, things that are outside of our experience. These are inside our hearts. And put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. And here's the statement. Here's the, I will not hear them. Should I be inquired at all by them? Should I even listen? I mean, if they've got idols in their heart, if they're worshiping something more than me, should I even give an ear to them? What is worship? Worship is to ascribe worth. That's where we get the word worship from. Worth, worship, worthship. Okay? What is idolatry? Idolatry is giving worth to something more than God. Worship is giving worth to something, and idolatry is giving worth to something more than to God. So, what are the idolatrous affections of gospel light? I should know, right? I've been here 25 years. If anybody knows the idols in my heart and your heart, I mean, you know, that's a a lot of years with each other. What are the idolatrous affections? What are the things that are competing for God's rightful place of first in our lives at our church? Well, this is what I've seen throughout my 25 years. Number one, I've seen our careers do this. I've seen our jobs become more important than God. I've seen money. I've seen materialism set people back. And at some point, their, their career became more important than God. I've seen our reputation. I've seen my reputation at times become more important than God's reputation. What will they think about me? Well, if I do that, what will they think? If I follow Jesus, it'll be embarrassing. They might say something. I might lose that, that, that favor. My reputation at times has been an idol. Our children. How many times have I seen this one? Hundreds, hundreds upon hundreds of times I've seen parents choose their children over God being first place. I've seen pleasure, pleasure. Our our hobbies, uh, our hunting trips, our vacations, our, our ball games, our sports. Well, preacher, I can't happen. You know, they just, they, they just, these games are on Sunday morning. I mean, I know. We'll pray in the, on the way to the game. We'll pray. We'll, we'll, you know, we're two or three gathered, you know. Be there in spirit. I'll mail in the tithe. And, and all of a sudden, if we, we would just be honest and, and really ask ourselves, wait a minute, what's happening here? What's going on? Our bodies. 
our bodies. I've seen people spend hundreds and thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours in the gym so they can look good. And, and that's okay. I'm impressed. It's great. You look great. But I feel as if sometimes as I've seen it, I've watched that become more important than God. Category number three, refusal to hear God's word. Now, this is a tricky one. What do I mean by refusal to hear God's word? Well, let's go straight to scripture. Proverbs chapter number 28 says it this way. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Now, what that word means is this. Brace yourself. I didn't say it. God said it. It means this. Disgusting inducing vomit. Not a good word. It's mentioned 71 times in scripture. God uses this word about things he hates. So God hates someone who turns their ear from hearing his word. He won't hear their prayer. It's an abomination. It's disgusting. It's vomit inducing. Wow. So, so what do we derive from that God? I mean, why did you use such a strong word? Well, let's start with the, the, the very simplest of things, church attendance. You're here this morning, so I'm definitely not talking to you, at least this morning. Amen. But here's the thing. Church attendance does have something to do on, a, on some level of hearing God's word. Think about all the hundreds of hours that go into even one Sunday. All the prayer, all the time, all the study, all the printing, all the, all the videos, all the work to come together to, to receive a refinely prepared meal to present to our church. And it's been said that the average church, 75% of that church will miss minimum of one in four Sundays. That doesn't sound too bad, one in four Sundays. That's just 12 Sundays a year. That means I'm there 38, 39 a year. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm just presenting this to you as on, a, on some sort of a level that God's people need to think about their church attendance. That's all. It's been said that 7% come to church in the 40s weeks in a year. 7%, only 7% go 40 to 52 weeks a year. 93% or 39 or less. I do think church attendance has become somewhat of a secondary thing to many believers. God's word has been placed it seems on a shelf, and at times we have turned our ear. But let's go deeper. If that's not really where you're at, could it be that God is saying here, These, this is when I clearly say something and you say no. This is an obedience issue. This is about, I said this, but you did this. God says that person's prayer is an abomination. When you turn away your ear, you know to do good, but you do it not. To him it is sin. We're talking about our prayer lives. We're not even talking about revival. We're not talking about repentance. We're talking about getting our prayers heard, much less answered. This is a great subject. This is actually, I'm actually thinking this is more positive than I thought. What is more positive than answered prayer? What is more like, I mean, if you told me today, if I was diagnosed with a with a sickness, and you told me, this will heal you, I'd be like, this is incredible. This is amazing. But I'd want to know the side effects. 
I'd want to know, what, what do I need to do to make sure this works right? Prayer is the most powerful tool known to the church, and we don't do it. I don't do it. We don't do it like a church. So it's obviously on me today. And that's why I'm preaching this message. I, I'm asking all of us to consider our praying wrongly. Number four, lack of compassion. You're praying wrong prayers when you don't care about others. Look at this. Scripture says this in Proverbs, Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. Here is someone who lacks compassion. Here is someone who is judgmental of those who are poor. Here is the guy that, 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 that every time he drives by the guy that's homeless and asking for a dollar, he thinks the same thing every time, and that is, I ain't giving him a thing. He ought to have a job, and I'll tell you, what's he going to do with that money? And you know what? If you give it with the right heart, it's not on you. If God tells you to do something for the poor, do it. Do it. If God led you to do it, do it. Don't argue with yourself. Don't say no and then go buy a $4 Starbucks. Give the dollar. Help the poor guy out and just pray for him. I'm not saying every time even. I'm not. But when God leads you, that's just one little thing. That's not it. That's 1% of the whole message. The truth of the matter is, is Houston, Texas should be on our radar screen right now. I'm glad I don't live there. You do live there. You live in America. We are one. We are a nation that should be united. When one hurts, we all hurt. When a brother weeps, we weep. When someone rejoices, we rejoice. Their problem is our problem. We've got to do something, even if it's a gift card. We've got to care. You see, God has a hard time hearing people who are trying to get him to care about things, but we don't care about what he cares about. And God says, I just have a hard time with that. You want me to care about your stuff, but you don't care about my stuff? That, that's not how it works with me. You turn your ear towards the cry of the poor, and I turn my ear from you. Wow. A lack of compassion. I think about missions. Do you know the majority of our missions money goes to the poor? We, we, the majority of what we give to missions is to help the poor, the needy, those that never hear the gospel. Plug for missions, look at the offering. We're like two bucks above budget. We struggle. We, are, we, are, we, are, we give very little emissions at our church at this point. I hope that changes in October. But we, are, we are a very, very small. We, we, are, we are not engaged with global missions. I mean, a church our size with a budget as big as ours to give barely a thousand a week is, is not a lot of money. It's just not. And, 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 and I'm not mad. I think, honestly, it's that we just don't really see missions as the poor. We don't see it that way. We just see it as, you know, we're just giving this money. We don't really know where it's going. It's going to help the poor. It's going to help people get saved. That's got to be worth something. You see, God says, when you care about people in third world countries... I care about answering your prayers because the poor mean a lot to me. It's incredible, isn't it? Social issues. 
It's easier for me to care about the police officer that's being disrespected. That's just, I don't know, I connect with that more. I connect more with the fact that, and by the way, how many of you appreciate and have compassion on policemen and law enforcement officers who put their lives on the line every day to protect yours? Amen. But God says, I want you to care about the minority who's afraid when he gets pulled over. See, I'm not afraid when I get pulled over. I hate it, but I ain't afraid. But I know there are those that are afraid that, that it'll be them that is the recipient of that one bad cop, that one guy. I know it's one out of a jillion, but they're afraid. God says, do you care about them? You see, God wants us to care about everybody. Not just the ones that we relate to the most. God wants us to care about it all. Compassion is the ability to be moved about things that don't affect me. That are outside of my experience. God is not a respecter of persons. So we go to God in prayer and we say, God, I care about things that you care about. Now, would you care about my stuff? Number five. Marital insensitivity. You're praying wrong prayers if you don't have marital sensitivity. Marital insensitivity will get you nowhere with God. Look at 1 Peter. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. She's the weaker vessel. You're being heirs together of the grace of life. And you're doing this so your prayers. What does how I treat my wife have to do with prayer? First Peter. You treat your wife like garbage. You don't care for her. You don't meet her needs. And you wonder why you don't have answered prayer. You wonder why your life's falling apart. You wonder why you don't pray because God's not listening because you're not treating your spouse right. And by the way, I think it goes both ways. I, do. I, th- I think it's not just a husband thing. It's not just a wife thing. It's, it's a spouse thing. People are praying, God, help my kids. God, help my health. God, help my finances. But you can't even get along with the person sleeping on the pillow next to you. Your prayers are not going to be heard. Category number six, unforgiveness. Mark 11. 25 and 26, and when ye stand praying, forgive. Forgive, for if ye have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. So forgive if you have ought against anybody. Forgive them, especially when you're praying because your prayers won't get answered. Look at here. And if you do not forgive, plain and simple, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. I mean, how that's like black ink on white paper. I don't forgive. I hold bitterness in my heart, resentment in my heart, hatred in my heart for another. Let us not live our, lift our soul to another. Unforgiveness towards my neighbor, towards my boss, towards a family member. Our prayers won't get heard. Let me give you three things the Bible calls for real quickly when... When forgiven, number one, God calls for immediate forgiveness. Not tomorrow, today. Right now. 
God does not want us to hold grudges. God does not want us to hold grudges for a day, a week, a month, a year. Forgive immediately. Number two, unilateral forgiveness. Not some people. That's all people. The third thing God wants us to understand about forgiveness is total forgiveness. Total, not, 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 not some things they've done, but everything they've done. Now, on this subject, although I'm not going to spend but another 60 seconds on it, I do want to be clear and say that forgiveness does not say that what they did was right. It doesn't say that. When you forgive someone, you're not saying that I'm okay with what you did. You see, when you forgive someone, you are doing what Jesus did when he died on that cross. He is releasing you of the consequences of your wrongdoing. You're you're, you're letting go and letting God take care of the consequences. Amen. And I'm saying, God, I can't live like this. I need my prayers answered. Unforgiveness keeps us from that. And then finally, confident prayer begins with confession. And so, with that said, these six categories are important because, church, if we're going to have a breakthrough, we need to know why we're not praying. And we're not praying because we're not seeing God move. And we're not seeing God move because we're praying wrongly. What if we could get these things? Are you serious, preacher? Wow. You mean, you mean I could have a breakthrough in prayer? Yes, and here's how. I want you to get your card out. And here's my invitation. As our invitation leaders come forward, we're going to let them get set up because our invitation today is going to be just that song and a moment of worship and prayer. And I want you to take this in. I want you to, I'm asking you to process this card and ask yourself tomorrow, are you willing to begin to pray for 40 days for this, for, for something? Here's what I wrote down, for the biggest thing in your life. What's the biggest thing in your life? Right now, you would say, preacher, this is the biggest burden I have. It's this. This is it, preacher. The thing that keeps me up, the thing that has me more concern, the thing that seems to be grinding at me, and the thing that brings me to tears. This is it, God. If I could just see you move in this area, write that down and pray 40 consecutive days without fail. 40 days of consistent prayer. 40 days asking God to break through and do this. Make it private. Make it personal. And be faithful. You see what I would do with the card? Don't put it on your refrigerator. Don't put it on the dashboard. I'm going to keep mine in my pocket. You say, man, that card's going to look rough after 40 days. Hey, man, that's what it needs to look. It needs to, have, it needs to be tear-stained. It needs to have every box checked. I'm believing God in 40 days is going to do some things in our congregation that we can share. And it might even be that we say, man, I've got the answer yet. But here's what I believe all of us will be able to say. God is moving. Preacher, God's working. Wouldn't it be great if we could see that kind of prayer answering going on in our congregation because we started praying prayers that were right, that were getting through, that weren't an abomination? This is unbelievable. This is so powerful. This is so freeing. I feel so free tonight or today to be able to share with you that, man, I've been struggling. And then I found out that, Eric, it's not, it's not that God's not willing. It's, it's that you've not given him an opportunity. You're not spiritually fit. Get yourself spiritually fit, Eric. 
And there's no telling what God can do. Are you willing to say that about yourself? Are you willing to be honest with God about an area that maybe you've not been praying right prayers? So in a moment, we're going to stand. And after we stand, we're just going to worship. If you feel led to come and pray, great. But honestly, I want you to take in this song, the words of this song, the message of this song, as well as consider what is it that God would have you to pray about. I don't even know if I would be worried about filling that out in church as much as I would be taking that sometime today, filling it out starting tomorrow. These 40 days will end and our missions conference, our missions revival will begin. Isn't that great? So 40 days from tomorrow, our missions emphasis begins. And I I don't know what God would do if we had a church full of people that were spiritually fit for what God would have to do when it comes to to reaching the world with the gospel. I can get excited about that. Let's all stand, shall we? Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for helping me to preach, Lord, not a fun message, but truly a message, Father, that I believe could could set us all free to, to seeing you work in breakthrough prayer. And I'm not just talking about a series on prayer that results in a couple of weeks of accelerated prayer. We had a few more people come to prayer meeting for two weeks and then it's back to normal. I'm talking, God, about this becoming potentially, prayerfully. Could it be that we could maybe become a house of prayer? A a place where prayer was much greater and bigger and stronger than it is now. Father, do something in all of our hearts teach us through this series in a way you've never taught us before in Jesus name